0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruises. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 447. This week, we're catching back up on listener questions, answering the questions that you've sent in all about Royal Caribbean up next. Over the last two weeks, we've had some great episodes from on board the Wonder of the Seas. Love being able to share the cruise experience with you. But if you noticed it, you probably also picked up on the fact that we didn't do any listener questions. It's just hard to do those while on board the ship. But my gift back to you today is to catch back up on listener questions. The email inbox is starting to grow a little bit more wide than I'd like it to be. So we're going to answer the emails all this episode. And of course, you can always send me your emails by sending them to matt at royalcreenblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCreamblog.com. Our first email this week is from Lynn, who writes, Dear Matt, thank you for the wonderful podcast. I have a question, I'll be selling on Wonder of the Seas and I've ordered the at-home COVID test through Royal Caribbean's website. I noticed on the COVID test boxes, there's an app to download on my phone. I want to download it to my phone and was told that I couldn't because I have an older operating system on my phone. The app requires iOS 13 or newer. I have an iPhone 6, oh my goodness, that runs iPhone 12. I can't download a newer iOS. Is there a way I can still take the at-home COVID test? Lynn, iPhone 6? Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm sure it's very functional. But my brain is like exploding. As a geek, my goodness. All right. But yeah, see, the answer is you can absolutely do it without an iPhone. You can actually do it on the website. So just get a laptop or a computer and go to emed.com and run the test through there. You don't need to do it through the phone. I think it's easier to do it, but obviously you can't because you have such an old, I'm not old, it's an ancient version of iOS that you have on there. But anyway, at any rate, you can do it on your phone. You just need a webcam, which, you know, is the only requirement there. So make sure you have a, a laptop, which usually has one built in or a computer. Uh, just keeping in mind, by the way, it's a little more difficult to make it work with a laptop, especially if the webcam is built into the top of it, because you have to keep on tilting the computer back and forth and will see the screen and whatnot. So I, it's going to be a little bit of a disadvantage. You could also borrow somebody else's device, Lynn. You know, you could, if you have a friend or family member that has a newer version of, of iOS and you, you know, install the app on there, do the test and get back to them, but you can do it on a computer. So not to worry. In fact, the first time I ever did the test was on a computer. So it's a very doable uh, in that regard. Thank you, Lynn, for the email. Next email is from Sarah Reiner. Hi, Matt. First, I'd love to start by mentioning how much I appreciate and enjoy your content. The blog, YouTube channel, and podcast episodes have been so helpful in answering questions as I researched before my very first cruise ever. My husband and I are taking a kid-free three-night cruise on Independence of the Seas next month. First, I have a question about excursions on our Nassau Bahamas stop. Do people ever skip a port call and just hang out on the ship? With no CDS on this itinerary, I'm worried we'll run out of time to see everything the ship has to offer. With COVID precautions, just get to get off and walk around for a couple hours or do you have, to have an excursion scheduled? It's a great question. In fact, a lot of people do that when they'll stay on board the ship. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with staying on board the ship. There's no requirement that you must get off the ship in a particular port. And a lot of people who've cruised a lot, Sarah, will actually do that kind of interesting that you as a new cruiser don't want to do that or you're more inclined to stay on board i should say to explore the ship usually first time cruisers want to get off the ship and explore these ports because they've never been there before but yeah no you can absolutely stay on board there's nothing special you have to do just don't get off the ship but if you do elect to get off the ship even whether it's for an hour or not since you're both fully vaccinated you can easily get off the ship and walk around book an excursion either way and so there's other question is what are your two favorite places to grab a cocktail on board We purchased a premium dining uh, drink package, excuse me. But there are so many bars and lounges to choose from. Would love to know from a cruising expert what some of the best spots to try. Ooh, on Independence of the Seas. Man, well, first and foremost, I love the English style pub at night, Sarah. They're going to have a a guitarist there each evening, and uh, they play live music on a guitar. It's all bar songs, as long as you kind of know the words to. Uh, similarly, the Schooner Bar is also great spot. This place plays piano music, but it's someone in the evenings who does that. That's really fantastic. But uh, I kind of lump the two kind of together. Some people prefer piano, some people prefer guitar, or both. But if you want something else, that's a little different. Go up to the Viking Crown Lounge on Deck t- 14. It's only available on one side of the ship, on the back. But anyway, you'll get there. You it shouldn't be too hard to find it, and it's absolutely beautiful up there. Great views great. Uh, first of all, it's air conditioned up there, which is really nice. And second of all, uh, you get wonderful views of all around you. So I think that's a underutilized space to get up there, grab a drink. And that's a great spot for Sail Away as well. So check that out, Sarah. Thank you for the email. And hope you have an awesome time on the Independence of the Seas. Went on her, as I think you know, uh, back in February. And we had a really, really nice time. Uh, next email is from Ralph. at. Our first Royal Caribbean cruise is coming up, and we're selling on a lure of the seas in June, and one of our stops is Labadee. Now that it seems Royal Caribbean is allowing folks to go there, I wanted to ask how to reserve a suite at Barefoot Beach. I understand these are for suite guests, and we're staying in a grand suite, so we are eligible, but I don't see an option to book in the cruise planner. So the question, the answer to your question, Ralph, and thank you for the email, is you need to wait for the concierge to email you About a week or so before your cruise You'll get an email from the concierge Welcoming you on board and giving you some basic instructions And at that point, you email the concierge And let them know, hey, I'd like to purchase a or Reserve a cabana on board the ship That's how you do it uh, Ralph also says, additionally, my in-laws are on the cruise But not in a suite, would the two of them be able to join us in the cabana? The answer to that is yes, just let them know to Mention when they get in, oh, we're not suite guests But we're staying in a cabana with uh, you know our uh, my, Our son-in-law, Ralph, and his family And then Ralph has one more question. Since we're in a suite and entitled to perks like early boarding and access to the suite, sun deck on alert, is there any way to have my in-laws join us for those as non-suite guests? Uh, I'm guessing the answer is no, but since they help us out and take care of our kids, I would love if they could keep up the great work on the podcast. Uh, It's as you kind of already guessed. No, those perks are not allowed uh, to be shared. So the cabana is a different story, but the perks that you get as a suite guest are only for suite guests. You cannot bring other guests who are not suite guests in to enjoy those benefits as well. So... Hopefully, Ralph, that answers your email. Our next email is from Kathleen, who writes, Hi, Matt. Thank you for all the hard work you do on the blog. It's very inf- informational, and I really appreciate it. I have a cruise scheduled, and uh, this will be our fourth cruise that I purchased. The cancellations due to COVID have certainly been miserable. Two of my children are, are doctors, and they do not feel that like going on a cruise is a good idea due to the positivity rate that was last published at 0.19%. Do you have any current information about the positivity rate? I absolutely cannot find it anywhere online or through the customer service people. I'm trying to decide whether or not take this cruise or cancel it or wait for a future date. I really appreciate any information you can provide at this point. I look forward to hearing from you soon. So Kathleen, it's a really good question. First and foremost, while I appreciate and respect your, your kids' opinions, especially because they're doctors. The positivity rate on land versus the positivity rate on cruise ships is completely two different things. The protocols on cruise ships are far in excess, exceeding, they far exceed any protocols on land because on land, there are no more protocols anymore. Nobody cares anymore. We're on cruise ships. Everyone has to be vaccinated above the age of 12. Everybody gets a pre-COVID test and you can actually find more data now, Kathleen, via the CDC's website. They have different color coding system. Uh, you can just Google CDC cruise ship color coding COVID, something like that. You'll find the, the, the stuff over there, but uh, I think, quite frankly, I feel the safest on a cruise ship because of these protocols, rather than anywhere else. When I go to a restaurant, I still won't eat inside in a restaurant on land. I went to my first movie for the first time in two years, and I, w- I really felt weird. about I wore my mask anyway, even though I was like one of like three people in the theater wearing one. I just, it, you know, it, it's a wild west out there, but on a cruise ship, it's a totally different story. And so, um, you know, that that gives me a lot of uh, solace in the fact of what they're doing, and, and it's effective. I mean, the CDC, Kathleen, has already lowered now the warning level for cruise ships as it relates to COVID-19 two times, whereas the country of Canada and the country of France and Spain are still at level four, according to the CDC. For what that's worth, take it as you will. But, you know, it's just, to me, the proof is in the pudding. And as someone who's been on a number of cruises, I certainly feel like it's one of the safest places you can go right now as it relates to COVID. Now, the good news is, and I think this has changed since you sent me the email, is obviously the Omicron variant has subsided quite a bit. And that's good news for everybody involved, whether you're on land or on a cruise ship. But uh, the CDC does keep track of that kind of stats. You won't get through the cruise line, but you can absolutely get it through uh, the CDC's website. Next email is from Natalie. I'm listening to your podcast on their seven-night Mexican Riviera cruise. We're going in March, and I'm bummed to hear the check-in was so frustrating. I'm wondering if you've been able to give them feedback. We'll be traveling for vaccinated kids. I'm hoping it'll run smoother than it did for you, especially since we're first-time cruisers. I'm also curious to see how Adventure Ocean goes. Fingers crossed. Thanks for all the information your uh, of your informative podcast YouTube videos so I gave feedback at the terminal Natalie so Natalie's referring to when I sailed on navigator out of the port of Los Angeles over Christmas the it was a kind of a mess in the check-in it took longer than it should have quite frankly it wasn't like an, it wasn't like awful it wasn't like oh my goodness my cruise was ruined it just we wasted a lot of time in the terminal that didn't need to happen and uh, at one point, actually, I did speak to this one of the supervisors there. Remember, the people that work at the terminal are not necessarily Royal Caribbean employees. Most people you see in the terminal that are working there work uh, through the terminal, are contracted out by Royal Caribbean, but they're not actual Royal Caribbean employees. It's a different company. And uh, and, and, and to that point, I spoke to one of the supervisors, and the supervisor kind of just brushed off my question as if, like, it's good enough. It's fine. Don't worry about it, sir. And I was like... Okay, well, you're missing the point here. Um, so, I mean, I conveyed it as far as that goes, but obviously, I don't think, I don't know how much has changed on that. My only advice to you, Natalie, is print out your luggage tags beforehand and have all your paperwork ready to go. I think I think I could have lived with the. I mean, the fact that we had you know this extra line. It's not just Los Angeles. I, this happened in Port Canaveral as well, where they make vaccinated children go in a separate line. Like if you say, "Oh, I've got kids," once they say you got kids send you in a separate line, even though there may be shorter lines for other people because they've got to verify that the kids are indeed vaccinated. And Whitman, you know, I remember sitting in the line, this is more of an issue in, well, actually it was in Los Angeles as well, but in Canaveral and Los Angeles, in both cases, you know, there's the person they're working I'm like, listen, my kids are vaccinated. I see this line is much shorter. Can I please go in this line? say, no, you have to go through this line because it's the way it is. Okay, whatever. You know, I'm hoping that will change. And I have not tried that uh, since the since the new protocols went into place February 25th, when my wife took the kids on board Wonder of the Seas, uh, we had a royal genie. So it's a little bit different experience with that. Uh, so we'll have a better chance to take another look at this, Natalie, when we go on our next cruise, which will be over the summer when we go into Alaska with the kids. But at any rate, I wouldn't worry too much about it, just be as prepared as you can, do all the online check-in stuff, have your luggage tags printed. That was my that was my big mistake in Los Angeles. And otherwise you'll be fine. I mean, if you waste five minutes in the extra terminal, it's just it it's not as bad as it sounds it's just like it's like it's the needle that broke the camel's back in my situation. There were just a lot of little things that really frustrated me. But if you do, if you avoid those pitfalls that I mentioned, I think you'll be okay. So don't worry too much about it. Thank you for the email, Natalie. Our next email is from Martha. Hope to embark on my first rollercoastering cruise in August out of Port Canaveral. My question is, what transportation is available from Orlando's airport to Port Canaveral? Also, an recommendations for hotels as I plan to arrive the day before the cruise. Love the podcast. Keep the great work. Thank you, Martha, for the email. So the, there's a number of options to get from Orlando to Port Canaveral. Uh, my opinion, the best, easiest, simplest way is to take a Lyft or Uber ride, ride-sharing service. I use Lyft. I prefer Lyft. But basically, you get your luggage, you open up the Lyft app you request a car it's private it's on demand there's a number of cars there that you don't have to wait very long for one they pick you up and, and they take you on your way there are other options a very popular option are different shuttle services that'll take you to port canaveral because the ride is about from the airport about 45 minutes away and there's you know different there's shuttles let's, let's call them what they are a bus right mini bus big bus doesn't matter there are shuttle services i don't recommend them uh, just because i don't prefer them i don't want to recommend them i just don't like them personally for two reasons one You're getting on a bus with a lot of other people in this age of COVID. The last thing I would want to do is potentially expose yourself there. I mean, unlikely, but, you know, it is that that's a reality. Uh, Number two, uh, they run on on someone else's schedule. So no matter how often they run, they're not going to necessarily run exactly when you want to leave. And for that reason, I don't love it. I think Lyft or Uber is definitely the way to go. There's one other option, Martha, since you're coming in the day before, it's a compelling option, and that is to rent a car. A lot of people will do a one-way rental to pick up the car in Orlando, drop off the car in Port Canaveral. The advantage there is you're in control of everything. You get to drive there. You get to not only go to your hotel, but you want to go out to eat. You want to go shopping. You want to go in the morning to Dunkin' Donuts and get some coffee. You can do all those things. You have a car, and then you can take your car drop off the family and the luggage at the cruise terminal and go return the car. There are a number of car rental locations near the port. The issue with renting a car are twofold. One, it could be more expensive, or not, than, than Lyft or Uber. And number two, on returning the car... You know, you're gonna to have to bring it back to a car rental location near Port Canaveral. There are a number that are reasonably close to the terminal, you know, a couple miles at the most, but then you gotta wait for a shuttle to come back. It's a little bit of a hassle as opposed to a Lyft, in which they just pick you up at your hotel, bring you over to the terminal, and that's it, you're done. You don't have to worry too much about it. Is it the end of the world to return the car? Absolutely not. A lot of people have done it. I've done it many times as well. It's pretty easy. So, something to keep in mind. I'd, I'd price out car rental, I'd price out Lyft. Uh, you can usually do if you just Google. Uh, lyft or uber fare estimator you'll get a good idea of what to expect now in terms of hotels there's a lot of hotels in in the port canaveral area it's actually Cocoa beach is what you're gonna be searching for that's the name of the area uh, that that's nearby of the hotels in port canaveral or near port canaveral i should say there's a number that are pretty good the hilton coco beach oceanfront the radisson the country inn and suites those are all pretty good choices It kind of depends on your budget. I mean, none of them are going to blow you away. There's no five star hotels there, but they're all good for like one night. You know, just stay there for one night, clean, safe, you know, nothing amazing, but nothing bad either. And I would say that's probably your best bet. So, uh, Martha, good luck with that. Hope you have a great time. Don't overthink that too much. Next question is from Kevin in Washington Straw, I think. Uh, Kevin says, uh, hi, Matt. In some of your earlier podcasts and question and answer sessions, folks have asked what happens when you've spent onboard credit that you may lose when repricing a cruise. This happened to me. And well, I don't think Royal Caribbean handles it well. In short, you do lose the credit and whatever you use to purchase it during is subject to cancellation. You have about a week to settle up on the cruise planner. Otherwise those purchases and whatever sale price you had are lost. Roker may never sent me an email rather I just stumbled across this when checking my cruise planner luckily I had one day left till they, they canceled my purchases kind of sketchy I wish they would notify you just wanted to warn others of my experience love what you do Kevin okay, thank you for the email this is very very helpful I, I honestly had no idea that that was a thing in that you have a grace period to repurchase some of those things at the prevailing rate or at the rates you had them before I should say uh, that's actually I'm I'm almost I'm almost tempted to try this out myself just to see how it works because it's kind of interesting that's a thing there, but I guess the, uh, rule of thumb going forward is if you have a cruise booked and you purchase things and you reprice it, you know, double check the cruise planner immediately after next, we have an email from Marty. Hi, Matt. Love your work. I'm from Australia. My wife and I and our little fella can't wait for our next cruise booked for November on ovation of the seas from Sydney to the South Pacific. We want to take advantage of the current double points offer for Australian cruises. So we're booking a cruise. Uh, we're doing a couple cruises to help us get there quicker. Once we reach diamond Stats, I wanted to ask you about the four drink vouchers per day. Are the actual vouchers on paper or are they handled that you hand over to the bar or is it a credit that goes on your card? So the way it works is not paper. It's simply a voucher that's loaded on your account. Every night at midnight, you get a new set of four vouchers. All you have to do is just let the bartender or waiter know, hey, I'd like to purchase the drink and I want to use my diamond drink for it. That's it. They are use it or lose it. So you can't like accrue them. So every day from midnight to midnight, you have that time period. Use those four drinks. If you use them all great. If you run out, then you got to pay for your drinks, obviously, uh, by cash. And if you had one or two left over, then you, you know, and and the next day occurs, you lost those two, if that makes sense. So hopefully that makes sense and, and helps answer your question there. Our next email is from grumpy and V on the live streams on YouTube. Background, we're headed out of Los Angeles in April for Navigator of the Seas. This is our first cruise on Royal Caribbean. We're Disney deserters. Uh, We have the specially dining package for the five-day cruise. First question, can you eat in the main dining room for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Most importantly, breakfast. Yes, you can eat in the main dining room for breakfast and dinner every day. Lunch is only on sea days. Number two, do you have a reserved seating in the main dining room for dinner only or during all meals, provided you can eat anytime during the day? You can, you have a reserved seating for dinner in the main dining room only. So only for dinner. If you're doing traditional dining, if you have my time dining, then you don't have a set table just for you. But, uh, otherwise you do have, um, the same table, same way, and same table mates every night for dinner for breakfast or lunch. If it's available, it's basically just first come, first serve. They'll just take you wherever, uh, V writes. I also want to be able to experience the main dining room, but also especially dining. Any recommendations would be greatly appreciated. Look forward to your response. Ooh, so you're going on Navigator, and you have the... I'm not sure which dining package you have. I'm assuming... Well, I'm assuming you don't have the unlimited, because if you want to do the Dining room man, that seems counterproductive. Anyway, uh, the restaurants I always recommend on Navigator of the Seas. Jamie's Italian is Those two are fantastic. Since you've never been before, Chops is not bad. If you like steak, if you like steak, go to Chops Grill. You can't go wrong there. Uh, I think that's a solid choice. Uh, Navigator also has Hooked, which is a um, seafood restaurant. I don't love it because I don't eat shellfish. Um, I think in general, it has fairly mixed reviews. So I would say if you're going to pick, you know, two or three, I would pick Izumi. I would, assuming you eat sushi, of course, if you're not going to eat sushi at all. I mean, there are non-sushi options there. Look at the menu first. But personally, it's, for me, it's Izumi, Jamie's Italian, and then Chops in that order. So hopefully that answers uh, that question for you, V. And our last email today is going to be coming to us from... Paula, who writes, Hi Matt, I love your YouTube channel and just discovered the podcast. I'm so excited to be able to listen while I'm driving. We're selling a Symphony of the Season in May and have some onboard credit we want to use on the deluxe beverage package, but I'm hoping the price goes down soon. I know you say to go ahead and purchase it to lock in the price, but how soon will onboard credit be refunded to us if we cancel if the price drops we want to purchase at the lower price? I don't want to miss out on the better price. Thanks for all your tips and tricks. Great question, Paula. The answer is immediately. So when you go to the cruise planner website and you see in the top corner of the, of the site says, you know, you've got this much onboard credit and you use that for a drink package. And then tomorrow you cancel it. It immediately refunds that money. The onboard credit immediately comes back to you. Obviously, as you know, the cash from your credit card will take a couple of days for it to process, but the onboard credit is immediate. So no worries whatsoever. All right. Well, that was pretty quick. So we're gonna do one more. Email. I thought there might be a little more to that email. So we're going to answer one more email uh, to us from. Missy, who right time at? I've been watching your videos and Facebook for a few years now. First of all, I must say I appreciate your content. You don't sugarcoat, you share the facts, and you're clearly ro- loyal to Royal. I especially appreciated the keeping up with cruises when cruises weren't even able to happen. Your live videos and factual reports of what was currently happening in the industry were welcomed by many travel professionals and those wishing to be able to cruise. It helped me- a many through a very, very difficult time. As a travel advisor for nearly 11 years, I also appreciate your constant support of travel agents and the way that you urge your viewers to use a good agent. I, I often recommend your channel to my guests as they prepare for their cruises and only once and only one recently came back to me with a question that I couldn't answer. As I mentioned, I followed for a few years now and I've noticed that at some point you switch the way you say Coco Key, pronouncing key rather than K. I'm familiar with the common Bohemian pronunciation as Key, and honestly, I've worked with Disney Cruise Line and their castaway Key longer than I have with Royal Caribbean, so it took me a while to get used to Coco. Well, I guess K in this case. I even remember discussing it with the cruise director onboard Explorer back in 2014, mentioning that I knew the true island name was Little Stirrup Key, but I wondered the, the correct pronunciation of their destination. He had no clue. <laughs> Royal's intentional rhyming of Day and K when they named Perfect Day at Coco K destination a few years ago, helped me to remember how they intended to be pronounced. I confirmed this with our Royal Caribbean Business Development Manager at the time, so I was sure to be accurately relaying information to my clients. Even the song on the trams that Coco Key now pronounced the location with K. But I hear you saying K all the time, and I want to know what's up, has something changed? Much respect and appreciation. It's a great question, Missy, and, I, and the way you framed it is exactly the way that I think most people come to understand it. And the answer to your question is... I called the Coco K for years and years and years and years. So when Royal Caribbean redid Perfect Day uh, and they transformed the island, we were in a uh, I was invited to go on board the sailing and uh, Mark Tammis was there. Mark Tamus is the vice president. Uh, he might even be the senior vice president of hotel operations for Royal Caribbean. And we were talking about everything and he goes, you know, he's kind of going over all the stuff. He says, by the way, even though we call, we've call we been calling Coco K for years, the proper bohemian pronunciation is key. Coco key, in the same way that uh, castaway key is pronounced that way. Now, in true if you look this up, both pronunciations are acceptable, K or key, but key is more accurate as in the Bohemians call it key. So out of respect to the Bohemians and back this was brought to my attention, I call it Coco Key. Yes, I am the same person who pronounces Windjammer Windjammer. The irony is not lost on me on that. But for that's the reason why I changed how I pronounce it. And trust me, my kids get angry every time I call it key. There's a lot of people who think I'm crazy for calling it "key." Uh, the fact that it rhymes, I think, "perfect day," "echo," "okay." K, I think that's just uh, that was a coincidence, uh, personally. But you know, we'll never know the answer to that question necessarily. Anyway, my, the point of this, point of this uh, answer, is uh, basically "key" is more correct. It's the proper Bohemian pronunciation, even though "k" is acceptable. They're not, you're not insulting them, I don't think, by any means. But I just wanted to make sure I was doing things as accurately as I could. So that's why I pronounce it "key." Thank you, Missy, for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. If you have an email you want to send to me, feel free to send it over to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.